Our scripture reading this morning comes from the story of Pentecost, the very story from which our church takes its name, Acts chapter 2. Let's read God's good word together. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are part of a story that is far bigger than any one of us, and far bigger even than this local church. We are part of a story that began at creation, that went on through the people of Israel, through the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. On that day, the church was born. And that's the very passage that we take our inspiration from, for which our church is named, and that we look to for guidance about how God is calling us to be as a church. And that church was founded by the coming of the Holy Spirit. Dr. Mark Foster, our founding, post, our founding pastor, talks about the kind of community that we're trying to create in this way. He says, we want to be people filled by God's Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, to serve in the Spirit as light and love wherever we go. That's the kind of community that we're trying to create and that we're asking for God to help us to become. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And specifically, we're going to look at the birth of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the story of Pentecost. And it begins, as many of our stories do, with waiting. Waiting for the power that Jesus had promised. And so we begin with the disciples in Jerusalem. Because after Jesus ascended to heaven, there were about 120 of his disciples that were waiting in Jerusalem. And they did so because that was what Jesus had told them to do. And so while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so they were waiting for that baptism from the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to come and to fill them. And so this is what they did as they waited. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All of these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. So what did they do? How did they fill the time? They devoted themselves to prayer. While they waited, they devoted themselves to prayer. This wasn't just time that, that they tried to pass um, with anything that would fill it. Uh, they didn't just read a book. Books were actually really expensive then, so they probably didn't have access to many. Uh, they didn't just try to, to do whatever they could. They didn't just waste time but they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to preparing themselves for what Jesus had promised. And, and this is such a great example for us because so often we're tempted to think of time waiting, whether it's for, um, for a few moments for a light to change in line at the grocery store, or even those longer waits when we're waiting from, from news from a doctor, when we're waiting to find out if we got a job, when we're waiting in the seemingly interminable gap between graduation and the beginning of college or our job or whatever we're doing next. 
we tend to think of that time as wasted, time just to be filled, to be gotten through as quickly as possible. But one of the things that we see from the disciples is that time waiting is not time wasted, and God can use it to powerful effect in our lives. And so they use that time to devote themselves to prayer. They also use that time to prayerfully select Matthias to replace Judas as one of the 12 apostles. After Judas' death, there were only 11, and so they needed to replace him in order for their group to become complete. And so they use that time. And during times of waiting, we can prepare ourselves for what God will do next. We can use that time intentionally to seek God, to seek God's guidance, and to be ready for when the Holy Spirit shows up. Because sometimes, in the blink of an eye like a rushing wind, the Spirit arrives. That's exactly how it happened on Pentecost. And so this is what, how, what Luke tells us in, in Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they, the disciples, were all together in one place. And so Pentecost was a, a harvest festival. It was a Jewish festival, one of the major festivals. It was a, a pilgrimage festival. And so people would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate at the temple. And it took place 50 days after the Passover. And because travel times were what they were in the ancient world, many of them would come to Jerusalem for Passover, and instead of going back and then traveling again, they would just stay in Jerusalem all seven weeks um, so that they could be there for Pentecost as well. And, and so they were there, and they were spending that holy time together, um, praying, devoting themselves to prayer. And on that day, they had all gathered together to pray, and they were once again waiting And then without warning, the Holy Spirit showed up like a violent rushing wind. This is how Luke describes it. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And so Jesus had promised that power would come upon them whenever the Holy Spirit came, and he was not exaggerating. This wasn't just like a little uh, snap of a finger, and all of a sudden they they felt a little bit stronger. It wasn't just uh, um, suddenly they knew some things that they didn't know before. It was a rushing wind that filled the entire house where they were staying, and tongues of fire appeared above their heads. And this would have made sense to them. This would have gotten their attention because the Hebrew and the Greek words translated as spirit can also mean breath or wind. And so whenever they experienced this great rush of wind, that would have signaled to them that the Holy Spirit was active, was moving in their midst. They also would have known that because fire often denotes the presence of God in the Bible. Particularly, we see that in the Old Testament in the story of Moses. And so when Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. And so he says, I I have to look at this. I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. And God said, Come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And so as they experienced the rush of the wind, as they saw the flames of fire, they would have known that they too stood on holy ground in which God was moving. And as the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, the very presence of God began to dwell within them suddenly empowering them to do things that just a few minutes before they could not possibly have done. 
Luke continues, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. And so not only was the Spirit working in the disciples, empowering them to to speak languages they didn't previously speak and, and to understand the other disciples as they were speaking, but even the crowd who had gathered around them, the people who didn't follow Jesus, were able, as a result of the Spirit's working, to understand the things that they were saying. And so this crowd that had gathered, they were amazed and they were perplexed. And they asked one another, what does this mean? And that's the same question that we have today. What does this mean for us? What is the meaning of Pentecost? And so we can look, um, it's, it, we have to be careful because anytime we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit um, and, and God, we know that, that there are things that are just beyond our understanding. But, but because of what the scripture says and because of the tradition of the church that's been passed down to us, there are a few things that we can know about this. And so we'll go through a few of them. And the first is that in Jesus' physical absence, God is present with us in a new way. Um, Jesus, one of the miracles of Jesus coming, of his incarnation, God becoming flesh, living and dwelling among us, is, is that he was physically present, that God was physically present on earth. And yet that presence was limited um, by the very act of God's becoming human. And so God was only, and Jesus was only in one place. And yet whenever he went back into heaven, God was able to be present in all times and in all places. This is what Jesus told his disciples before he ascended. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so that was the promise, that, that if Jesus left, then the Holy Spirit would come, and God's presence would no longer be bounded by time and space. God would be available and present to everyone, everywhere, in all times and in all places. This is um, earlier in that same address to the disciples. This is what Jesus said to them. He said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Not just for a little while, but forever, for every day of our lives. And this is what Rowan Williams says, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, the same Spirit who brought Jesus to life in Mary's body is doing what the Spirit always does, opening a space in us for the glory of the Word of God to come alive. The Word of God comes alive in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit dwells within us, the Spirit helps and comforts and guides us helps us to experience God's presence, and and especially in those tough times, gives us comfort. Whenever we're seeking help, the Spirit guides us, and whenever we need direction, we receive it from the Spirit. Sometimes that comes through, um, almost through seeming like words are being spoken to us. Sometimes it's just like a little nudge, a little something that uh, we feel like we need. And you know, even this afternoon, I was thinking of a family that, um, that was going through a hard time and, and felt like, uh, you know, maybe the Spirit was nudging me to, to give them a call, and so I did, and, and I'm glad that I did. I was also really thankful that I was preparing for this sermon so that I was a little bit more receptive to that nudge whenever I got it. But the Spirit helps us and comforts us and guides us as it dwells within us. And, and because the Spirit is within us, we know that God is closer to us than our own breath, that no matter where we go, no matter what we do, God is with us, and we are never alone. 
And so Pentecost reminds us that no matter what, God is with us. The Spirit also creates a new community where all are welcome, not, not excluded for any reason, but allowed to come in and to be welcome. And so Pentecost began when the believers gathered together, when people from different walks of life came together and prayed. And as they did that, the Spirit united people who were separated by language. They might have had the same faith, but, but they came from different parts of the Roman Empire, from different parts of the Mediterranean world, and yet the Spirit brought them together and united them. And it was a really diverse group of people. And this is what Luke says. He said, Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, that's the sound of the Spirit, the, the great and rushing wind, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? He continues on Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. That's, that's a really long list. And visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, that's people who had converted who were not born Jews, Cretans and Arabs in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Now, I think it's important for us, whenever we see lists like this, whenever the biblical authors go to um, the, the trouble to list all of those different nationalities of people, it's because the point is important. Luke's not just listing that off for the sake of completeness, but because he wants us to know that this isn't just a group of people who grew up in or around Jerusalem. It's not just um, a group of people who are from Galilee, but they're from all over the, the known world at that time for them. They were from all over, and yet the Spirit brought them together. And even though they did not speak the same language, they were able to hear and understand one another. They were united through the power of the Spirit. We also see that, amazingly, that, that as Peter preaches to the crowd, he reveals to them that God's Spirit will be poured out on all people, not just some of them, not even just on the leaders, but all people. And he quotes the prophet Joel saying, um, In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And so he goes through this list, and um, it's not just the old men or the young men. It's not just the old women or the young women. It's, it's all of them. And then it's not even just the free people. It's the slaves as well. It's everyone, regardless of their age, regardless of their gender, regardless of their social status. Everyone God's Spirit is poured out upon. And they're welcomed into this new community called the church. Because in the church, no one is excluded. There's no one that God says, well, those kinds of people are not allowed. No one. God welcomes everyone into the church. The Holy Spirit invites and is wooing and actively um, inviting every single person, no matter what. There's no one that God leaves out. And one of the beautiful things about the church is that the Spirit brings together people who would never otherwise join in fellowship. One of the things that I love about our church is that we have people from across the political spectrum. It's not just a left church or a right church or a Republican church or a Democrat church. It's people from all over. 
And sometimes we experience things differently. We, we think of things differently and we disagree, but that's one of the beautiful things is that we can hold those disagreements and talk to one another. And it's one of the few places where people who see things differently actually talk to one another. I mean, aside from yelling at each other in the comments section. But I love that, that people from across the spectrum come together and live and love together. And that's God's vision for the church, is that it's not just people who, who are of one social status or people who are of one nation or, or one political belief or any of those things. The Spirit invites all, and no one is excluded. The Spirit also empowers us. As God calls this community together, it's not just to sit around and enjoy one another's company, although that's a good and beautiful thing, but it's for a purpose. And so the Spirit then empowers and gifts us for the work of God. God gives us a job to do, to be a part of God's kingdom, but we don't have to do that under our own power because the Spirit actually gives us power. We can have the, spirit, the power of God within us and gifts for that work that God calls us to. And one of the really beautiful examples of this is that um, is in Peter's own life. Before Jesus' death, Peter was so far gone that he denied even knowing Jesus. He denied, and he even knew that he was going to deny Jesus. He denied that he would deny. Um, he said, he, I, no, I would never do that. And, and then the time came, he was asked if he was one of Jesus' followers, and he denied it. And so he was a long way gone, and yet God turned that around so powerfully that with God's power and forgiveness, Peter stood before thousands and shared the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Whenever the crowd had assembled and were marveling at this amazing thing that was happening, it was Peter who spoke on behalf of God, who, who spoke on behalf of all the things that had happened and shared the good news. This is how Luke records it. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. And he went on to preach and toward the end, it says again, he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. 3,000 people added to the church through someone who, who not very long ago, just two months earlier, denied even knowing Jesus. And it's not because Peter is so great and is just this uh, towering portrait that we can never aspire to. Um, there are some ways in which that's true, but the reason that he's able to do that is because of the power of the Spirit, the same Spirit that invites each one of us into ministry. And the way that we serve may not be in the same way. Probably we're not going to ever address a crowd in Jerusalem in the way that Peter did. But the Spirit invites each and every one of us with different callings and with different gifts. And that Spirit empowers us for those gifts and callings to do the work of the kingdom. And as we do that, people are healed. People find hope. People are fed. They have clean water given to them. They experience the salvation of knowing Christ and receiving his grace. And we get to be a part of that through the Spirit who gifts us and calls us. And finally, the story of Pentecost reminds us that the Spirit is always beyond our grasp. 
The Spirit showed up on that day in a way that no one could have imagined. No one, none of the disciples were like, you know, I'm expecting on Pentecost Day about, uh, oh, 10 or 15 minutes from now, a, a loud wind should fill the entire house and, and these little flames will, or big flames, it doesn't actually say how large they are, these flames will appear above our heads. And none of them knew that that was coming. The Spirit acted in a way that no one could have predicted and created a community that exceeded the expectations of even the ones who are closest to Jesus. And that's true for us, too. Whenever the Holy Spirit's at work, we never know what's going to happen. But we know that it'll be amazing. Adam Hamilton has a nice summary of what the work of the Spirit looks like. This is what he says. When we speak about the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God, we're speaking of God's active work in our lives, of God's way of leading us, guiding us, forming and shaping us of God's power and presence to comfort and encourage us and to make us the people God wants us to be. And that's who the Spirit is, and and that's what the Spirit does. And it all began on Pentecost, the work of the Spirit to form us and shape us into the people of God, joined in through the generations to those people who were there on that very day. And so we have the opportunity to be a part of that if we open ourselves to the source of the power, to the Holy Spirit. And so we have to do this because to hear the Spirit's leading, we have to practice paying attention. Now, the Spirit can, can do amazing things, but I find in my life that whenever the Spirit's trying to get my attention, usually it's not something that captures, just kind of shakes me loose and, and forces me to pay attention. Usually it's quiet. It's like those little nudges that we talked about earlier. And, and so for me to receive those, I have to be paying attention And so how do we do that? Well, um, that same verse that we heard about whenever they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. All of the disciples were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. They devoted themselves to prayer. And so for us to pay attention, to be attentive to the coming of the Spirit, we have to find times for stillness, times whenever we're not taking in content, whenever we're not listening to other people, times whenever we're just focused on God, times to, to be alone and times to do that with community. But whenever we're still, we're attentive and we're listening because that's how we learn to hear the Spirit is by getting away from the noise and paying attention. Because we all need regular individual and communal prayer time to learn to hear the Spirit's guidance in our lives. Uh, we need that as individuals, but whenever we look to the example of the church, they didn't all go to their own rooms, they gathered together. And there's something that's fundamentally powerful whenever we gather with other people in order to pray. And that's how we learn to hear from the Spirit. And whenever we do that, we open ourselves to the source of life and the source of power. Um, The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, talks about it this way. Christ is no longer present to us as another individual, even a supremely lovable and holy one. He is the life that floods the entire universe. And for us to live, to grow up into our full humanity, we need to be flooded by his life so that it is born in us as it was in Mary. We open ourselves to the flood, to the life that floods the entire universe. We can be a part of the power that formed creation as we allow the Spirit to dwell in us. And so I want to invite you to do that. And here are a few action steps that I want to invite you to to follow with me this week. First, whenever you're in times of waiting, whether it's five minutes um, in traffic, whether it's a few seconds at a traffic light, whether it's you know, a period of weeks that you're waiting for, for something to happen in your life, use those times 
Use that time to cultivate stillness, to cultivate att attentiveness. Use it as a time of preparation so that whenever the Spirit moves, you are ready and paying attention. Use those times. And, and we're so tempted in those times to pull out our phones just to scroll, to, to fill them with whatever um, so that we don't have to think about things. Don't give in to that temptation. Use those waiting times to cultivate stillness and attentiveness to the Holy Spirit. And then as you go throughout your day, um, over the next coming week, um, let your breath remind you that in God you live and move and have your being. There's something about our breath um, that, that reminds us of the Holy Spirit. And as you breathe in and as you breathe out, remember that God is around you and with you, surrounding you and filling you and guiding you in all that you do. And as we do that as individuals and together with other followers of Jesus, we can cultivate an awareness that allows us to answer whenever the Spirit calls, that allows us to act whenever the Spirit tells us to move, and allows us to claim the power that God offers to all of us. And we're able to do that today. We're able to, to worship online today because people who came before us answered that call. Uh, Pastor Mark describes the, the faithfulness of the Spirit in our community this way. He said, Since 1999, I have witnessed God's Spirit create a church out of nothing. The Spirit led us to the 35 acres at the corner of Pennsylvania and Covell. God's Spirit broke down barriers to allow us to worship for seven years in Edmond Public Schools when we had been told that would not be possible following the Columbine High School shooting earlier that year. God's Spirit gave vision to our first sanctuary in 2006, our first water well in 2010, our first daughter church in 2011, and our first children and youth building in 2021. God's Spirit has also guided, blessed, and sustained us through times of dramatic growth, members and staff moving away, and times of incredible hardship and stress through the death of loved ones and the pandemic. God has been good all the time. Throughout it all, the Holy Spirit has been present. And throughout it all, it's never been about this church. It's never been about our buildings. We didn't have a building when we were meeting in the school. And even then, it wasn't about the school. It was about what God was doing through a group of people, people who were just ordinary individuals who said yes when the Spirit called, who listened and gathered together. They might not have run into each other anywhere else, and if they did, they might not have given each other a second thought. But they said yes when the Spirit called. They called one another brothers and sisters. And they lived faithfully when the Spirit invited them to form a new community. And because of that, we're here today. And we have the opportunity to join in that work with the people of Acts 2 and all the people who call themselves followers of Jesus throughout time and throughout space. In our day, in our community, and around the world because of the Spirit. I invite you to say yes to the Spirit today. Will you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for your Spirit, whom you sent to us, who lives within us, and because of whom we know that you are with us, closer than our own breath. And we pray that you would, through your Spirit, make us one with other Christians, make us one with all your people, and especially people who are excluded, who are left out and neglected. And that as you work in us, as you work through us, that your kingdom might come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you for Jesus, who invited us into your church to be his body 
and who taught us even how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.